For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Want to talk about a new movie? Check. Want to talk about an older movie similar or related to that new movie? Check. That's what you can expect from Quality Check Podcast. It's a new podcast on the Studio DNA Network hosted by yours truly, Drew Douglas and Daniel Posey. Every other Tuesday, we'll talk about a new movie and an old movie to see how the film's quality holds up. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sport Check. Sport Check. It's Sport Check. Welcome to episode 260 of the Sports Yak Podcast. Now batting for the New York Yankees, the shortstop, number two, Derek Jeter. The greatest Yankee of this century, no question about it. Derek Jeter, now the owner of the Miami Marlins and trying to do some great things with that franchise, which actually had a very good season, surprisingly good season. But Derek Jeter, 260 career home runs. You don't necessarily think of him as a home run hitter, and to a certain extent he wasn't. One of the reasons he had so many home runs is he played so long, 20 seasons in the big leagues. But what a great career is the Yankee shortstop. Now, wasn't this uh, the young man that was in the backyard here in Kalamazoo for a while? Yes, that's where he grew up. Did you ever get to see him play as a, a student? No. No? No. Did he play college ball? No. He went straight from high school to the Yankee system. Oh, he did. And and went up the ladder in the minor leagues fairly quickly. Family Broadcasting Corporation. Well, the crowd's going wild. In association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but... Somehow they meet in the middle. It's all the way. It is. It's good. It's good. Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here. And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer. This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever. 
Well, an entertaining weekend of football, whether you're a college fan or an NFL fan. So let's go Let's go NFL first. All right, let's start yesterday. Lucas Oil Stadium. What a roller coaster of emotions watching that game. Colts trail 28-14 at halftime. Their defense, that vaunted Colts defense, number one in the NFL, could not stop Aaron Rodgers in the first half. He just riddled them. Second half, and the Packers struggled to move the football. They didn't get a first down until the fourth quarter in the second half. Meanwhile, Phillip Rivers and the Colts just methodically working the ball down the field. Now, they were their own enemy late in this game. Boy, they should have put this game away in in regulation. They're up 31-28. They just get a first down with 2.15 left. Packers are going to have to use their timeouts to stop the clock. Except the clock stops every time there's a penalty. And there's a penalty on three straight plays for Indianapolis. So they wind up giving the ball to Aaron Rodgers of the Packers. First and 10 at his own 25 with one timeout and a minute and a half to go. And if you're a Colts fan, you had to be very anxious at this point because the guy has 24 fourth quarter comebacks in his career. That minute and a half seemed like a lifetime, didn't it? (laughs) He moves them down the field, but there was a key play where he completed a pass to his tight end and did not get the first down. And that kind of threw off the sequence for Green Bay the rest of that drive. And they wind up having to kick the game-tying field goal, tying it up at 31. Now you go to overtime. And a friend of mine said, coin flip's going to decide this. Yeah. And the Packers win the coin flip. And in the NFL, if you go down and you score a touchdown on that opening drive, ball game's over. Now if you kick a field goal, then the Colts get another chance to come back. So, of course, everybody thinks, okay, well, here we go. Here's Green Bay. And on the second play, the wide receiver fumbles. Colts recover it at about the Packers' 29-yard line. So now the Colts are in business, and the Colts became very conservative here. They didn't want to take the risk of throwing an interception. Ball security. They ran three straight plays. They get the ball up to the 22-yard line. Rodrigo Blankenship who's been very reliable this year in replacing Adam Vinatieri, comes in, kicks the 39-yard field goal, and the Colts get a big home win over a very good Green Bay team by a count of 34-31. So Indianapolis now 7-3. They're tied for first in the AFC South, and they'll play that team they're tied with, Tennessee, this weekend. Lions. Awful. In a word, awful and I'm not going to spend a lot of words on this game because quite frankly I didn't watch it all I had to do was just see the reaction from my Lions fans friends as this game went on only 185 yards of total offense they lose to Carolina 20 to nothing and the Thanksgiving game is coming up on Thursday when they play Houston 12:30 in the afternoon And one wonders if, after that game, Matt Patricia might just be asked to take a walk. Is it a thing, like, in some contract from the beginning of time that the Lions always play on Thanksgiving Day? Basically, yes. The Lions... Is there a story there? Well, they were the first to actually do it. 
They scheduled a game on Thanksgiving Day, mainly as kind of a kickoff to the holiday season. Mm -hmm. Uh, It used to draw huge crowds at the old Briggs Stadium. And so they have, if you notice, every Thanksgiving, the Lions play the 12-30 game and the Cowboys play the 4 o'clock game. They've been that way since time immemorial. Okay. And then this year, as I told you on the last yak, the third Thanksgiving game will be the one to actually watch because that's going to be the Ravens and the Steelers. And the Steelers, undefeated on the year, uh, they diced up Jacksonville yesterday, but Jacksonville's awful. They've only won one game this year. Ravens lost a heartbreaker to Tennessee yesterday in overtime. So they're going to be mad. They're going to take on a Steelers team that they have a great rivalry with, and that's the game to watch on Thanksgiving night. It's a lot of games on Thanksgiving. Yeah, three of them. Yeah. All right. Uh, Joe Burrow out for the rest of this season. Yeah, uh, he got his knee folded back pretty well in the game with Washington yesterday, and when he was on the field, you could just tell this is not going to be good. They brought the card out. They did the MRI, and as the 4 o'clock games were being played, Joe Burrow tweeted out, see you next year. You know, I'll be back, but see you next year, which means he's out for the season. Uh, The Bengals weren't going anywhere anyway, but they were much more fun to watch with him at quarterback than they had been in a number of years. Yeah, Uh, Washington wins that game 20-9 to yesterday, but that's, that's a blow for the league because, quite frankly, He's been a fun player to watch, and it drew a lot of eyes to a Bengals team that now, why in the world would you watch the Cincinnati Bengals now? (laughs) Exactly. Let's rewind to Saturday. How about that Indiana-Ohio State game? Indiana looks like they're dead to rights. They're down 35-7 to in Columbus. Nothing is going right. Can't run the ball. Can't stop Ohio State. They're getting mauled on national television. In this top 10 showdown, it was all billed. It was all hyped up. And now Indiana's just getting its butt kicked up and down the field. And here comes Michael Penix and Ty Freifogel to the rescue. They connect on a little 63-yard touchdown pass. 35-14. Okay, Hoosiers at least showing a little life, a little spunk. But what difference does it make? Defense can't. Oh, wait a minute. The defense shows up. The defense gets a stop. And here's Penix and Freifogel again connecting. And now it's 35-21. And the defense gets another stop. And you think, all right, if Indiana can get it in here, we've got ourselves a ball game. It's still only the third quarter. Penix throws a ball out into the flat. This ball never had a chance. And Ohio State gets a pick six, and now it's 42-21. And he's just like, ah, come on, Hoosiers. Why do you do this to me? But here they come again. They won't stop. 42-28. Then it's Penix to Fry Fogel again, and it's 42-35 with about 10 minutes left in the game. And Ohio State, which was running up and down the field and moving the ball at will in the first half, kind of similar to what the Packers were doing to the Colts yesterday, can't seem to to get anything going. Indiana gets the ball back with about four minutes left. They go three and out, and you think, 
Oh my gosh, this is it. They're done. They're done. And the defense gets one more stop on Ohio State, which had a chance, by the way, had a chance to kick the field goal and go up by 10 and instead decided not to, went for it on fourth down, failed. So now IU gets the ball back again with 45 seconds left, and you thought, oh, can Penix work some magic here? And he couldn't. They couldn't get past midfield, and they wind up losing 42-35. But here's what I like, Corey. For a lot of IU fans, that's like, oh, my gosh, we played within seven of Ohio State. That's great. That's not what Tom Allen went there to do. And he told his team this after the game. You can find it on Twitter, in the locker room. Eyes on me. We ain't feeling sorry for ourselves. No, we didn't play our best football. You know it and I know it. But you didn't quit. You didn't quit. You fought them. You got character. You got something to you. There's a lot of football to be played. A lot of football to be played. You understand me? Yes, sir. We ain't coming to be close. And I'm ticked off by the result. But I'm proud of you guys. Because you fought. And you fought. And you fought. You stay together. You understand me? Yes, sir. You stay together. This team is special. There's special things ahead of you. You understand me? Yes, sir. Special things ahead of you. That's the truth. So you stay together. I love this football team, man. You got no idea. And the good and the bad. And that's the message you need to get across to your team. We're tired of winning close. We didn't come here to lose close. Came here to win. That kind of message is eventually going to get Indiana over the hump. I don't know when. I mean, they had a really good shot Saturday to win in Columbus, and they didn't get it done. But you can't let your team be satisfied with that. You let them know that you're proud of them. You let them know that you love them. But you also let them know that we're here to win. And I I thought that was a great message by Tom Allen. Indiana drops to 12th, just behind unbeaten Northwestern. Alabama number one, Irish number two. And here comes number 25, North Carolina, this Friday. This Friday, and it's a banged-up Irish team that's going to go down to Chapel Hill. They have not lost one lineman. They have lost two of their five starting offensive linemen. Jarrett Patterson, we knew he was going down last week. He had foot surgery. We knew he would be replaced at center by either Josh Lugg or Zeke Correll. Well, it's going to have to be Zeke Correll because Josh Lugg has to fill a starting guard slot after Tommy Kramer had an emergency appendectomy last week. So Kramer is out one to three weeks. We'll see how quickly he can heal up from that appendectomy, but he's certainly not playing this Friday. And for those of us who can't remember what an appendectomy is... That's where your appendix is removed. Yeah. And can you just bounce back and get into a football game three weeks later? We'll see. My goodness. We'll see. I I think that's asking a lot. Yeah. So now you've got this situation where you've got two backup linemen who, quite frankly... I mean, Lug has played somewhat this year. Correll has played very sparingly. And... Here's the other thing, Corey, when you've got your offensive line at the line of scrimmage, okay, and the defense is moving around, they're jumping around, it's the center, typically, who makes the line calls there. 
lets the other lineman know, okay, here's the adjustments that we're making. Well, so now you've got a new center in there, plus a new center to give the snaps to Ian Book, and a new guard. How will Notre Dame do with that vaunted running game where they've been able to get yards for Williams and Tyree? And how will their passing game have to adapt? Because here's the thing. You're playing a North Carolina team that can score. Mac Brown doesn't have a great defense, but he's got a really good offense. So you're likely going to have to put at least 35 points on the board to win this game. And this offensive line is going to have to get it done against Carolina. You're asking a lot. This is a game, I'm telling you folks, this is a game ripe for the upset for the Tar Heels. And if you're a gambler, the spread on this game has really come down. It opened up at 7.5, and and now with the new injury news, it's down to 3.5. People thinking the Tar Heels can get it done Friday against the Irish. Before we move completely away from football, I would like to use this episode as almost a time capsule for down the road. This will be an interesting year to remember and look back on for high school football. Your thoughts as the season broadcasting-wise has ended on your end. Well, before we go to high school football, yeah. can I just touch on a couple of things left in college football? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. Purdue Friday night. I don't know if you've seen any of the highlights of this game. Corey. I have not. Purdue Friday night is trailing Minnesota by four on the last drive of the game. There's under a minute left. The backup quarterback, Jack Plummer, has played an amazing game for the Boilermakers. And he throws a pass into the end zone for his tight end. Touchdown. Looks like Purdue has taken the lead. A flag is thrown. And pass interference is called against Purdue. Offensive pass interference. They say that the tight end held off the defensive back with a straight arm to allow him to catch the ball. Multiple, multiple replays from multiple angles. No evidence. Not the case. Whatsoever. Minnesota must have felt like they really got a gift because in the box score that the Minnesota Sports Information Office put out after the game, they did not list the side judge's name who threw the flag. Normally, the officials' names are listed on the official box score, and that was not the case in this one. Ouch. Um, Twitter exploded. I put out there, and I, I still believe this, Purdue will wind up getting an apology from the Big Ten office, mm. and they'll they'll be told, oh, this was a bad call, and it's not going to mean anything because that's not going to change the result of the game, which is a Minnesota win, 34-30. to Just an abhorrent, one of the worst calls I've ever seen. One of the worst calls I've ever seen. And just sad. And then if you watched the game on Big Ten Network, after the game, so Big Ten Network comes on with the postgame show. Well, of course, Big Ten Network represents both Purdue and Minnesota. Yes. And it's owned by the Big Ten. So it's state-run media. And state-run media came out and said, well, you know, a game, there's more than one call that decides a game. Well, in this case, there wasn't. This one call really did decide the game. 
But whatever. I, I just I wanted to touch on that, Boilermaker fans. We have not forgotten about you, nor has the steam stopped coming out of my ears about that call. And then Michigan. Michigan Saturday night, Corey, playing Rutgers. Fell behind 17-zip and winds up coming back to win in triple overtime. But why should Michigan have to go to triple overtime to beat Rutgers? How bad are things in Ann Arbor right now if you have to go to triple overtime to beat Rutgers? Come on, Jim Harbaugh. Figure it out. Friday night was your last broadcast of high school football for the 2020 season. Yes. Boy, that's uh, an interesting season to reflect upon. <laughs> well, I'm I'm so proud of the efforts of our crew, our production manager, Dean Corsmo, everybody else associated with the broadcast to make it through. We had 14 possible weeks to bring high school football into homes, and then 13 of those we were able to bring a game into homes. And the only one where we weren't, we didn't get the notice until like five, hours, that afternoon, right? five hours before kickoff. So there that. was nothing we could do. Um, just so proud of the efforts of our crew to work with the different athletic directors and different stadiums in the area to make sure that we could stay safe, we could keep everybody else that we were around safe, and still bring you a quality broadcast every Friday night. And the last two games that we had on, I'll, I'll put up against anybody else. I, I just thought our crew did a great job in those games. We added an extra camera to help bring you some different angles. And I, I just really think our behind-the-scenes team, our camera guys, our graphics, our, our audio people, just do an outstanding job each and every week. And, and hopefully... Uh, myself and Bob and Bo don't screw it up with whatever we say on the air. So here we go with basketball season around the corner. Uh, anything that you're taking from the football broadcast that immediately is used in basketball, like here's how we have to do it now? Anything changed drastically? I don't think so. You know, we, we've been doing the pregame interviews with the coaches just standing six feet apart. Mm -hmm. We'll do that. I think you'll notice... In basketball, we probably won't do a sideline interview with a coach going off at halftime uh, just because it's too difficult to set that up six feet apart in that chaos that's going on right right then. Um, other than that, I, I think our basketball broadcast will look very similar to what they have in the past. And I doubt that we'll add a fourth camera for basketball just because you know, football is so spread out. It's 100 yards. Uh, basketball, you're working on an 84-foot court. It, it's not nearly as spread out. Uh, so you don't necessarily need that extra camera for the angles. So we'll see how basketball season unfolds. Hopefully hopefully we'll get through. Uh, you know, I, I look at basketball, Corey, at least at the high school level, the same way I looked at football in from the standpoint of, Okay, each week I'm going to be holding my breath, thinking, where's the backup game? Uh, where else do we have to, to make contact with? How, how many kids are going to be affected by all of this that's going on right now? And it's sad because we have some really good basketball talent 
in yeah. the area this year, both boys and girls. And I think it could be a fun season for fans to watch if we can have a season. You know, the the high school poll, preseason poll came out yesterday. St. Joe is ranked 19th. Adams is ranked 15th. Those are the two teams that we have set to go in our first game of the week on December 4th is St. Joe at Adams. So hopefully they can all stay COVID-free and, and we can get to December 4th for that first game. And then the girls' poll is out. Penn is ranked first. Marion is 14th. Well, that's who we've got set up to play December 11th. And hopefully they can stay injury-free, COVID-free, and we can get to that point. But it's it's such a crapshoot right now, to be honest. Uh, you just have to have a lot of backup plans in mind. December 4th is a Friday? Yes. Maybe you could give us a, um, you just taunted how well these local teams are. Maybe give us a preview of like who we need to be watching this season, if we can watch. Well... Those two teams, St. Joe has J.R. Konesny, who is verbally committed. Well, now he's um, written his letter of intent and signed it, and he'll be going to the University of Notre Dame for his basketball career. He's he's definitely the star of that team, but St. Joe has a lot of people back from last year, a big man by the name of Will Terry. Their backcourt now has a year of experience, so they should be very good. Adams brings back almost the entire roster from last year. Uh, which was a really good Adams team. Sidney Jeffries, Chuck Worsham, Braden Sexton, those are the three big names on that team. So they're loaded, ready to go. Riley has Blake Wesley, who signed to go to Notre Dame on Friday. We talked about that on the last Yak. Wesley definitely going to Notre Dame. And he's getting some help this year from a move-in guard uh, out of the Fort Wayne area. His dad is the assistant principal at Adams High School. I can't think of his name right off the top of my head. We'll know it next Friday. (laughs) Talented player. but So Riley should be a lot better this year. And then you look at Marion. Marion's got a player named Richard Brooks who couldn't play last year after transferring from Penn because of transfer rules. He's eligible to play now. He's joined by uh, Sullivan Kid. And what team is that again? This is Marion. Okay. And Kaleo Kakalea, good big man there. Uh, I think Maddox Begonia Bright's going to play basketball. So Marion will be talented and ready to go again as well. The NIC has lots of talent. And then there's the question, of course, how good will the consolidated Elkhart be? You know, the Memorial and, and Central last year were both kind of, but if you put them together, how good will that team be? And what kind of a force will they be in the NIC as well? And that's just the NIC picture. Everybody over in Middlebury at Northridge is saying, what about us? We won 20 in a row last year. We were all set to play Culver Academy in the regional when the tournament got plug-pulled on it. And they've got back their backcourt of Stoltzfus and Smith. So they're going to be really good. Should be a fun year for boys basketball in the area. Season starts tomorrow night with Laporte at Riley. That's a good opening game. Okay. And you start broadcasting Friday, December 4th. Right. If all goes according, according to, to plan. plan. Yes. <laughs> all right. You want to end on this uh, tennis season? Uh, no, we can go right into... Oh, <laughs> Let's we, get... <laughs> we'll skip that. <laughs> we'll skip that. Let's go to the port, part of the show now that I like to call overrated and underrated. Because, well, that's really the segment. I want to show you a Facebook 
post from years ago that I saw this morning. I think you'll get a kick out of this. Uh, we are in award season for music as we speak. American Music Awards last night. Uh, you know, even if you don't put your ears and eyes on the current pop culture, uh, you still recognize a lot of the names that sure. were uh, award winners or nominees last night. But so let's go back to, let's see here. November 23rd, 2008. Okay. My daughter asks me, Dad, or is they are they as old as you now? It was a New Kids on the Block. Oh, wow. Uh, reunion. This is what I wrote that night. You wrote, Pink is underrated. Yes, in 08. Okay, now it's 2020. 2020. How do you feel about Pink? I still think she doesn't get the attention she deserves. Okay. And, uh... And if we're talking about body of work, music is great. She's got the hit songs. If you ever have a chance to see her live yeah. and see her perform, you will agree. She's doing stuff that I don't know any other pop singer is doing live. That's, Give me an example. She has embraced the Cirque du Soleil performance. So she's doing a lot of uh, line work, flipping and spinning okay. and flying and all this while choreography and singing and uh i remember i remember one time doing a deep dive on her as far as where is that coming from she was a gymnast growing up ah. so there's a little bit of that okay in her dna and she can still carry a tune while she's doing the flips and That's the swings amazing. and all that stuff so i say underrated still you know the thing is when i when i go to watch uh, a performance at the Morris, and I've I've been to see some of the Broadway shows that they've brought in there. That's the thing that always amazes me. Is not okay. People can sing. Mm -hmm. The ability to move and sing. The ability to do this while you're doing the choreography, staying in key, yes. not losing your breath. Yeah, it, that's the part that amazes me. It borderlines athletic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you it, know? No, it requires a great deal of athleticism to be able to do that. Amazing amount of cardio and just memorization of choreography and where to be when stuff blows up or stuff moves. Right. Pieces of, you know, staging is doing stuff. Yeah. I, I'm going to throw another, uh, another one out here. And they seem, this group, quite frankly, seems to get trashed. Anytime their name is mentioned. So I'm wondering as you. <laughs> I got a name in my head. I'm wondering if it's who you're going to say. Nickelback. <laughs> That's exactly who I thought. Secondary would have been Creed. But I had, when you said they get trash, I said Nickelback. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the thing. They've got the guy who did all of the Def Leppard music, the Shania Twain music. The Brian Adams music. So if you listen to Nickelback stuff like the harmonies and the way a song mm -hmm. is built, you kind of start putting the pieces together. And I think they kind of wanted to be the Def Leppard of now. I just don't think, I think they're, um, I'm trying to think of what football team we could compare them to. You either love them or you hate oh, them. the Cowboys. It's the Cowboys. They're the Dallas Cowboys of music. I would totally agree with that. Now, are they overrated or underrated? 
I would say, <laughs> uh, I'm not a fan. I, I don't hate them. I just, I don't reach for their music. Right. I would say kind of right down the middle. I, don't, I can't tell you the last thing they did. No, I can't either. Musically. But, you know, um, to be honest, to to open up the uh, the window here so that you can get a peek inside, lots of times I'll just go to Google and look up overrated, underrated <laughs> artists, okay? I can't get away from that group on over... The, everybody seems really? to think that they're just like the most overrated. And the funny thing is... Even when they were popular, this is what you heard about them. Yeah, yeah. Even when they were churning out hits and getting lots of radio play. Oh, they're nothing special. Well, they sound like this person, and yeah. they sound just like, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll go down the middle. Here's where I get my list from. A, uh, old um, Facebook posts, but my son will catch me watching something or get excited about something, and he'll go, Dad, top... Top five actors, top 10, top 20. Sure. This came up yesterday, and I didn't give him an answer because I knew I'd like to bring it up with you. Underrated or overrated, body of work, mm -hmm. John Candy. Ooh, underrated, I think. Because, first of all, I think John Candy came across as just this silly SCTV actor when he first started working in movies. Mm -hmm. And as he developed and as he went along, he showed that he could handle, I wouldn't say high drama, but he could certainly handle dramatic roles. And honestly, if you look at how um, Del Griffith is portrayed in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and by the way, if you're listening to this program and you're not watching Planes, Trains, and Automobiles on Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. I agree. Because that, if you're listening to this program, chances are you're an American. And that's something that every American needs to do. My Wednesday night before Thanksgiving rotates around that two hours. Absolutely. I have to watch it. Absolutely. That, that's without question. Mm -hmm. So I think John Candy developed in, into somebody that not only had the comedic timing mm -hmm. and could play these silly characters like Dewey Oxrider in Stripes, but you, you look at the portrayal of Del Griffith, almost poignant, and uh, Uncle Buck. Now, granted, okay, he's got a great script to work with yeah and that will help any actor but i i give him his props i think he's underrated i think uncle buck is an underrated movie oh yeah like we watched it last night i i watch it it's such a comedic deal but I, maybe it's because i'm getting older and two kids in is man he stood his ground on some stuff yeah like i'm going to make the birthday party special because i know mom and dad are gone this teenage girl's not going to get the best of me, even right. though like the mom and dad are like, you need, really need to watch her. He's just like, no, this is this is how you live life. Well, and it would have been easier. It would have been easier for him to just let her do let her whatever. go do whatever. Yeah, I, there's just so many great moments in that movie. Oh, <laughs> even just little things like when he's talking about how he's got the uh, 
He's got the axe in the car, and he says, you know, trimming off a little bit of it. And he goes, whoa. <laughs> Just the little moments. I, I miss that guy. I, I would have loved to uh, get a couple more movies out of him. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, John Candy, underrated. Okay. I agree with you. Are we done? I believe we are. This feels good. Uh, you want to do a Wednesday episode? We'll see. Yeah. Definitely not Friday, Black Friday. We no. get the day off. No, we're not We're not traipsing in here Friday, which might mean that we need to do one Wednesday just to get people ready for that game on Friday between the Irish and Carolina. Okay. I'll let you decide. Well, if I'm here, then we'll do one, right? <laughs> well, that's how that works, right? Yeah, because you'll be here, right? I'll be here. Yeah. Yeah. In full spirit, physically and mentally. You're well, on Twitter, you'll be right? Here physically. I don't know about mentally. <laughs> I am on Twitter at 46 Sports. What about you? At, what say you? My name is Corey Sportsyak with two Ks. Hit the subscribe button so no matter when we decide to record an episode, you'll never miss it. That's what the subscribe button does. Yes, that helps. Mm hmm. Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga-looga, Derek Jeter. Yeah, he's from Kalamazoo. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sportcheck. Sportcheck. Sportcheck is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.